Welcome to Inside the Post-Dispatch. Today we're talking about the upcoming general election, voting, and local politics. I'm Roland Close, one of the editors on the Metro Desk. Joining me today are two veteran Post-Dispatch reporters, Mark Schlinkman, who covers the city of St. Louis, politics, elections, and many other subjects and also Jeremy Kohler, an investigative reporter who covers St. Louis County, as well as many other subjects. As you know, the November 3rd general election ballot includes many important races, the presidential contest, congressional races, the governor's race. But today, Mark and Jeremy are gonna focus on some of the local contests in the city and the county. But this is an unusual election year because of a virus. So we're going to talk about voting. A lot's changed in the last six months because of COVID-19, including how we vote. Mark, the Missouri legislature tried to address the fact that some people would be, for health reasons, unable or unwilling to vote in person, but the current provisions for absentee ballots didn't seem to address their needs. So they came up with a new category. Could you talk a little bit about the uh, unusual voting process of Missouri voters uh, yes, it's, face? It's a very confusing in part because of the terminology used by the legislature. Uh, for people 65 and older and those with certain uh, underlying health conditions, it's not hard at all. What the legislature did was create a new category of absentee voter which no notarization is required. Uh, basically, anybody 65 and older and anybody with an, if a, one of several specified uh, health conditions, such as diabetes, uh, a heart condition, there are some others listed in the law as well and on the election board websites, uh, they can just request and get an absentee ballot uh, and, and, and vote it by mail. Uh, it's very relatively easy to do so, or they can show up in person at their election office in advance of election day and, and vote absentee. So what I'm saying is for older people and people with health issues, what the legislature did was make it simpler, a lot simpler. However, for people under age 65, uh, they created a new system called mail-in voting. And basically any person, any registered voter in the state, regardless of age, can request and get an absentee ballot without any explanation. However, you have to get that notarized. And uh, that, that is a process a lot of people aren't going to want to waste time doing. And so that has made it difficult. It is also, uh, it made it confusing as well, not just difficult. Uh, and also the, the idea of uh, getting it notarized, uh, if, if you have to show up in person at a bank or an insurance office or some other place where a notary is at, you'll be in close contact with people in that office. So it, it, some would argue or have argued it defeats the purpose of, uh, of uh, the absentee ballot for people worried about contracting COVID by going to the polls. A absentee ballot, uh, absentee voting started Tuesday, right? What was the turnout like? Well, I just know what happened in the St. Louis area in four jurisdictions here. It was, it was higher than usual. 
uh, in St. Louis County. Uh, I believe the uh, the numbers were about double as they were at the beginning of the period in two, 2016, the last presidential election. Uh, uh, we're talking about people voting absentee in person at the county election board office in St. Anne. Right. We had increases as, as well at the uh, main election board office or the election board office in the city of St. Louis and downtown. And we also had increases at the uh, county election authority offices in Jefferson and St. Charles counties. And those are located respectively in St. Peter's and Hillsboro. Now, if, if I go to the, if I go to the uh, St. Anne office, for example, uh, I'm, I'm a registered voter in St. Louis County. I want to vote absentee. I can vote there in person, right? Yes, right. And do we I have now, to, excuse me, I'm sorry. Do I have to provide an excuse when I do so? You, you, it depends on your age. Um, if you're under 65, you have to, uh, have to cite one of several, uh, uh, several excuses, such as religious belief or practice, your working election day as an election worker at the polls, uh, you, you know you're going to be absent in advance, uh, or, or you know in advance you're going to be absent from your election jurisdiction on election day. You have to cite those if, if you show up at the election office. Um, you cannot, if you're under 65, you cannot just say, uh, uh, you know, I'm doing this because I'm worried about COVID at the polls. Uh, if you're going to do that, you have to vote, vote by using the mail-in option. If you're over 65 or you're 65 or older, yeah, you can just show up uh, at the election office and and say uh, I'm am I'm, I'm in this at risk category, and uh, that's all I have to tell them. Just have to give them your age, and they can easily verify your age in the election records. Mm -hmm. And the mail-in ballot, uh, I have to request. Can I request that in person at the election board, or do I have to? I mean, how do, how do I get my mail-in ballot? Okay, to get either the mail-in ballot or an absentee ballot by mail, they're two separate things, but they're both yes. by mail. You can either show up in person at the election agency office, or you can uh, seek one by mail, email, or fax. And on your election authority, your local election authority websites, they give you uh, explanations on how to, how to do that and where to go and where to mail it to. And, it, and many of them, many of them will actually have uh, application forms on the website. Uh, you can just print them out and fill them out. But I can't, I can't submit my mail-in ballot at the election office. I have to mail it, right? Right. But again, we're, we this is confusion over terminology. That's okay. just people using this new mail-in category. People who vote absentee by mail can, or excuse me, people who vote absentee can show up, even though many of them, if not most of them, will be submitting it through the mails. It's very, very confusing. It, it, had the legislature used a different term for this new category, other than, quote, mail-in voting, unquote, it would have been easier to explain it. We worked on a chart trying to explain all these different rules on the process, borrowing in large part from the Secretary of State and just trying to get a simple explanation to distinguish what needs to be notarized, what needs to be mailed. Um, it, 
it's, a, it's, it's probably a reason why we're getting so many calls from people saying, how do I do this? Um, and probably a reason there are lawsuits. No doubt. I mean, there, there are three, by the way, there are three lawsuits pending right now, two in, in uh, state court and one in federal court. And uh, some target the mail-in provision and uh, wanting uh, basically uh, uh, the notarization requirement to be removed. Now, it's problematic whether a judge at this late date is going to intercede. Who knows? We'll, we'll have to wait and see. But if if a judge did order changes, that would uh, that would uh, change the whole process. We'll, we just have to wait and see. the The Secretary of State, who's one of Secretary of State Ashcroft, who's one of the defendants in these suits, has called these suits frivolous. So uh, we'll see who uh, who prevails in the courts. One last question on the on, on the voting process. It may change, may not likely won't change, but you can still go to the polls and vote in person on November 3rd. Is there anything the election authorities are doing differently to safeguard voters or ensure that, uh, um, you know, health and safety is paramount? Depends on the jurisdiction. And I have not done a detailed uh, check of these uh, local authorities yet. I know what they did in August uh, but for the primary, but uh, I, I don't have the details uh, yet on what they're doing uh, for the November election. Okay. Um, thanks, Mark. Um, now let's talk about what's on the ballot. Um, start with uh, uh, the county. Jeremy, it seems like a lot of the important races were actually or seemingly decided in August. Can you tell us a little bit about what county voters uh, will be seeing on the general election ballot? Yeah, that's right. This is an even year. Uh, so um, that means the, the even council races are on the ballot this year. So districts two, four, and six uh, of, of the seven districts are, are up for election. And of course, the county executive's race is also on the ballot. Um, and you're right, a lot of the drama is already behind us. Um, Sam Page uh, uh, defeated Jake Zimmerman and Mark Manavani and Jamie Tolliver uh, in the August primary. So he is the Democratic nominee. Um, he, uh, he's facing uh, Paul Berry, who, uh, who last ran for county executive in 2018 against Steve Stanger. Uh, Stanger did very little to campaign in that race. He famously uh, was overheard in, in FBI recordings uh, bragging about how he stayed at home for two months and, and didn't campaign or do anything and still beat Barry by 20 points. Uh, now, um, that said, uh, it's a little bit different. Now, 2018 was a uh, was not a presidential election year, so the turnout was certainly lower than it's going to be this year. Uh, we don't know what that's going to do to the results. Um, and while Stenger was not uh, necessarily popular at the time he ran, uh, he also was not being protested on a daily basis, um, which is something we see right now. Uh, Page's uh, decisions regarding youth sports and schools have been controversial. Um, there, there are uh, hundreds of people who have protested. Uh, there is a Facebook group with more than 12,000 people who have been uh, people who have been uh, upset about some of the tighter restrictions on youth sports that are in effect in St. Louis County. 
Um, whether that translates to uh, narrowing a gap of, of tens of thousands of voters remains to be seen. Um, ha, um, there's also another factor uh, that there's a third candidate in the race, uh, Elizabeth Betsy Mitchell uh, from the Green Party. Um, we saw in the uh, primary that uh, Jamie Tolliver, the fourth candidate, actually did quite well. Um, she, she had the support of a lot of uh, North County churches, and she ended up with 7% of the vote, which is significant, uh, which, you know, in, in, a given, in, in any given race could really change if those votes are coming from, from somewhere. So, you know, if we were to see uh, Mitchell uh, similarly end up with a, a large, you know, a, a double-digit percentage of votes, which is unlikely, but, but possible, then that, that could make a big difference. Um, she does seem to have the support of people who have been loyal to uh, longtime county council member Hazel Irby, uh, who of course uh, resigned from the council after uh, Stenger's resignation and joined the Page administration uh, and whom Page fired in August. Um, and so Mitchell has been out front of some of the protests, um, which have really died down, but uh, some of the protests um, uh, of people protesting Irby's treatment. So that being said, it's, it's, uh, it's very difficult for an incumbent to lose a race. Um, Paige certainly ha um, has uh, been on, on the front lines of a lot of decisions. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's uncommon time right now and, the, and people who are upset with those decisions maybe are more vocal than, than they might be. So it remains to be seen how that translates into the, uh, into the voting totals. I've seen a smattering. I've seen a smattering of Paul Berry signs um, in the county, and then obviously when the, the, there were one of those anti-page protests in Clayton, there were a number of Paul Berry signs uh, uh, in the crowd. But it, it doesn't look like he has a groundswell of support um, or a lot of money or funding. Um, I mean, you don't. Well, we'll see how much money he raises. I, I suspect he'll do a lot better this time than. Than he did against uh, uh, than he did against Stenger. Um, I think Barry has is going to have more support from the party this time around. Um, but whether or not that translates into enough to to beat Page um, is remains to be seen. Um, Barry certainly, you're you're right. Barry has has done a good job of of uh, almost you know turning these youth sports rallies into political uh, rallies for himself. Uh, in fact, uh, he actually sued Paige last week uh, on behalf of his daughter, who was an athlete um, at Pattonville High School, um, who, whose sports team was not able to, to compete because of the restrictions. And so Barry, Barry's had his name out quite a bit more this time than last time. Just, just like in the county executive race, there were a couple council district races that seemed to be decided uh, in the primary, meaning that the incumbent, uh, I think Kelly Dunaway was one who faced a strong, what was thought to be a strong challenger. Um, tell me a little bit about the council districts that are in play now and how the outcome might affect the, how the council operates in the future. Yeah, we'll take them in order. Uh, se the second district, Kelly Dunaway, uh, she defeated uh, Creve Corps Mayor Barry Glantz in the primary uh, handily, uh, did about as well as, as, as you can do. 
uh, especially against uh, someone who's who's a known quantity in glands. Um, and uh, she is in a relatively she's 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 in a, a pretty blue district. Um, she is uh, facing a Republican Jerry Bowen and a Libertarian Arnold Tremblay. Um, but uh, again, Page uh, Page himself carried that uh, held that seat before Dunaway, and. Uh, in, in the last election in 2018, uh, the, the election uh, was, was not close against Amy Pelker, uh, St. Anne uh, Alderwoman, uh, who, pay, who Page defeated um, for re-election. So, um, and then in, in the fourth district, district, you have a similar uh, situation somewhat. Uh, you have um, Shalonda Webb, who, who actually ousted uh, incumbent Rochelle Walton Gray uh, in the primary. Um, the fourth district is probably the most democratic district in the county. Uh, uh, she's facing a Republican Curtis Faulkner. Um, uh, Gray defeated Faulkner by 75 points in the previous election. So I would say wow. Webb is about as safe as she can be. Uh, the, the race with the most... Uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, the, the the race with the most drama is is going to be uh, the sixth district, uh, where we have Republican incumbent Ernie Trakis facing off against uh, Democrat Bob Burns, and um, and that is that that to me looks looks to be very uh, looks 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 to be a close race. Um, it's interesting when you when you look back at you know at four years ago. Um, we were talking about if Trachis winning, he could swing the balance of power on the council away from Stenger, um, who was at that time had a council, you know, majority of council support from Democrats. Of course, that that did end up happening, and, and Trachis ended up being a strong ally of Sam Page on the council, and the two of them forged this coalition that that uh, opposed Stenger, and and you know, ultimately, you know, Stenger left. And um, so they, so Trachis and, and Page have had uh, a strong bond since then. Now, over the past year, uh, the Republicans have really moved away from Page, but uh, Trachis has been kind of a, uh, emerged as kind of a swing vote between the Republicans and the Democrats who have been, who are loyal to, to uh, Page. And that's become even more pronounced recently because one of the Democrats who had in support of Pete, Rita, uh, Rita Days, um, is now actually uh, has been strategizing with the Republicans on some measures to try to limit Page's authority. And so that's put even more pressure on Trachis. And at, at the same time, so Trachis has to, Trachis has seemingly had to prove that he's a Republican to his Republican colleagues. And, you know, he's facing in Burns uh, uh, a term limited uh, 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 state representative who's who's coming back to South County um, with good re name recognition, uh, who is definitely not one of the not not one of the progressives who backs Page on the council. So, um, so Let's, I, let me ask you about that because because Days she endorsed Zimmerman uh, against Page in the Democratic primary, and now as you said, she seems to be she's pulled. A, pulled away from, from Page. If Bob Burns were to replace Trachis, you'd have uh, another Democrat, but 
he doesn't exactly fit in politically, does he? I mean, is he likely to vote more along Republican lines, or, or do you have any sense of that? I mean, he doesn't sound like he'd be a page ally. Uh, yeah, I don't have a sense of that quite yet, um, nor okay. do I have a sense of, of Webb, of how Webb will fit in. Um, so I, I think, you know, as, as these things go, um, they have to be seated and see how they vote and see the relationships that they form on the council. Um, I, I think some of the council relationships have been strained this year in part because they don't really talk to each other in person as much as they did. They, they had such a strong bond even across the, the aisle last year. Um, and, I, and I think that, you know, as we enter seven months of, of, uh, of WebEx council meetings and emails and things that some of the communication has br broken down at, at times. So I just, I don't think there's any way to predict exactly how the alliances will fall. I, however, having said that, uh, I, I I think it's going to be really hard for Paige to bring uh, Paige and, and Councilwoman, uh, Council Chairwoman Lisa Clancy to build that that four vote block that they've had for most of this year that has really given Paige a lot of authority. Thanks, Jeremy. Before we move on to the city, uh, I think we're going to take a little break right here to hear from one of our uh, sponsors, and then we'll circle back to the city of St. Louis and Newmark. So, see you in a minute. And we're back. Um, Mark, talk to me about uh, what's, uh, what, what we'll see on the general election ballot in the city. We've got a couple citywide races. We've got some ballot propositions. Uh, but do we see anything that's going to be dramatic, as far as you know? Well, uh, first, let's talk about candidates. We have three citywide races for three significant offices. Circuit attorney, which is the local prosecutor in the city sheriff and treasurer. Um, it's a heavily democratic city and all three of the democratic nominees, they're all incumbents, uh, beat back uh, primary opponents in August at the August primary. They all have Republican opponents, but in, in the city of St. Louis, Republicans have not fared well at the polls since uh, I'd say in the early 1950s. Uh, I mean, it's been that long uh, since we had serious, sustained Republican opposition, uh, serious re Republican opposition for these citywide offices. On occasion, a Republican has done well and even won on occasion, but the last time that, that happened was in the early 1970s. Um, mm -hmm. So the chances of these three Republican nominees winning are, are slim. Um, that said, though, uh, there are candidates running, and one of the Democratic nominees, Circuit Attorney Kim Gardner, has certainly stirred controversy with her stands on issues within the Democratic Party. It wouldn't be out of uh, of, of, of uh, range of, of possibilities that some Democrats could cross over and vote for her Republican opponent. But uh, I've seen no, uh, no uh, campaign to do that or anything like that. So right now, I would have to say that all three of these Democratic incumbents, Kim Gardner, the circuit attorney, Vernon Betts, the sheriff, and Tashara Jones, the treasurer, have heavy advantages over their opponents. In the treasurer's race, there's also a third candidate, a Green Party candidate running as well. Okay. Well, um, 
And on, on the ballot, we also have uh, residency and a couple other measures. Yeah, we have four, actually four citywide propositions. Um, one uh, uh, has to do with, uh, it's a city charter amendment. Uh, it would require, uh, if passed, it would get rid of the uh, residency requirement for all civil service employees. Uh, now, as, as many are aware, Governor Mike Parson just this week signed a new state law that uh, eliminates uh, the residency requirement for police, firefighters, EMS workers, and some other first responders. Uh, the city charter amendment would go beyond that and also uh, repeal the rule for uh, all other civil service employees for, for city government. So that's a significant uh, uh, issue that's gonna be on the ballot. Um, need 60% majority to pass, and so that's not gonna be easy to achieve. Um, and there are opponents to getting rid of the residency rule. Um, some aldermen are opposed to the idea. So there is a division of opinion and uh, it's not a certainty, it's, it's gonna pass by any means. Uh, in addition, uh, we also, uh, have a very significant proposition that was put on the ballot uh, by initiative petition. It would overhaul the, the uh, election system for uh, the municipal city elections that are held uh, in odd numbered years in March and April. Um, if passed, it would get rid of party designations uh, for people running and also uh, would allow uh, people in the March primary elections for mayor, for alderman, for aldermanic president, all those races, comptroller, to vote for more than one candidate. Uh, uh, and then the, the two top vote getting uh, people uh, two in the primary would move on to the general election in April with no party designations. And uh, it's a very significant change. Uh, that requires just a simple majority to pass. That's on the ballot also in November citywide. Then there are two other, two other propositions. One uh, revamps uh, the way uh, that uh, companies uh, 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 that uh, deal with telecommunications in the city are taxed. Uh, that the companies that offer uh, 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 online uh, uh, telecommunications is what I mean, how, they, how they're taxed. And another uh, proposition that would increase the property tax uh, to benefit early childhood education uh, uh, services in the city. It's a relatively small property tax, just six cents per $100 assessed valuation. But property taxes are always hard to pass, especially in the city of St. Louis historically. That's a property tax for early childhood education? Yes. Did, didn't the county, someone on the county uh, uh, council propose a similar measure for early childhood education, but, but based on a sales tax? Yes, and, and Jeremy has the details on that. It was dropped, wasn't it, Jer Jeremy, after a lot of controversy? I believe so. But the city, the city was not controversial as far as you know. No, point. no. Other than your normal, uh, per certain percentage of people do not like tax increases and typically vote against them. But that was not aired at the Board of Aldermen, particularly uh, 
wasn't aired, aired in large part. Uh, it was overwhelmingly approved to get it on the ballot, the board, the alderman. It might have been unanimous. I don't recall specifically, but it was overwhelmingly approved to be sure uh, to get it on the ballot. Um, but it, there, it remains to be seen what will happen with it at the polls, though. Just because the aldermen were near unanimous in putting it on the ballot doesn't mean the voters are going to be. One last question about the propositions before we uh, we call it a day. The, the one that would change the voting system that would allow uh, uh, folks to vote for more than one candidate. Proponents of that change. The proponents of that change. What's their argument uh, for? for adopting what, what seems to be a pretty dramatic change in how folks are elected in the city? Their argument for doing that and also for getting rid of the party designation is that it would uh, move, the theory is at least, it, if we went to this system in the city, it would move to the April general election, the two theoretically strongest candidates citywide. In other words, the two candidates with the most citywide support would move to would move on to the April election. Whereas now what happens is in the Democratic primary in March, to, and we're talking about the citywide races mainly here, you often, or not often, but many times, let's say it that way, many times you have uh, dramatically split uh, split uh, uh, electorates if a large number of candidates file and you can have someone getting only 25% of the vote or 30% of the vote in the primary winning the Democratic primary and then move on to the general election against a Republican nominee or in some cases there's not even a Republican nominee uh, some cases you'll have just a minor party nominee uh, and the argument is is that the general election will take on more meaning if the two strongest uh, candidates citywide actually move forward to the general election. That's the theory you know, behind it, at least. You know, that's interesting because the current city mayor, uh, Mayor Crewson, didn't she only win with like 30 some odd percent of the primary vote in uh, 2017? I mean, yes, I don't remember the offhand percentage. It, it might have been even slightly less than that, but I'm, yes, I'm it was a very, but she had, but she had, she had the highest percentage, certainly, because she won. No, and, she, won uh, for, she won fair and square, but the point yeah. being, she only won with uh, yes. uh, 30, and, and, and that also is true of the county executive. He only uh, garnered, what, 30 some odd percent of the vote against two strong candidates. Yeah. Against three, yeah. Okay. It also was true just last uh, last year, 2019, in the city, in which Lewis Reed uh, won a very uh, hotly contested three-way primary in the Democratic side, uh, with you know a relatively small percentage of the overall vote, but he had he had more than his two opponents. Okay. Well, I, I think uh, we're going to wrap it up at this point. We're going to continue to, uh, uh, up until the general election, and then even afterwards, uh, talk about politics and the uh, different races with different reporters. We've got a strong team of uh, government and politics reporters who are uh, watching state and local races, and, uh, and we hope you stay tuned. I hope you subscribe to the paper, um, and thank you very much for your time. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Jeremy. Thank you, Roland. Thank you.